Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today for our series on Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Now, here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're on our grace portion of our study, and I'm here with my good friends, Seth Muse and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, guys. Great to be here again. Hello. Hello, hello. So I want to get into what is the gospel. You can't really talk about the gospel without grace, and you can't really talk about grace without the gospel. They right. go hand in hand. And as we were talking in our last show about grace being foundational, and I just want to get really nailed down what the gospel is. And we're going to use a track ready. <laughs> I got it. So I want to get into uh, one of my favorite passages for showing how simple and clear the gospel can be presented, which is 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. We're going to come back to that statement in just a second. But here's the content of the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So according to the Apostle Paul, all that we have to get right is to trust that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So he died for our sins. Scripture uh, is clear on that as far as prophetic, uh, that Jesus was going to come and die for the sins of his people, and that he was buried. The only reason buried is in there is that's just proof of death. Uh, And that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. That proved that his payment was acceptable to God. He was raised from the dead. And that's all we've got to get right. We uh, have added so much, made the gospel so confusing and cloudy and we add so much to it and according to the apostle paul christ died for our sins buried rose again now i want to pick up as i said in verse two there is a statement that says by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which i preached to you unless you believed in vain so all the legalists are jumping up and down going see i told you you could believe in vain But we don't have to wonder what that means. If we go to verse 12 in the same chapter, Paul tells us clearly what it means to believe in vain. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. So believing in vain just means that you are claiming to believe in Jesus and then also saying at the same time that Jesus was not resurrected. This sounds a lot like, you know, when people will say Jesus is a prophet, but he's not God or he's a good man or a good moral teacher. In fact, he has the best teaching of, for our lives. Well, my next question is, well, then why don't you believe him? You know, so <laughs> if he's got the best, he told you he was God. But that's kind of what the vainness is, is that it's a double standard it's a it's a hypocritical thing it's it's uh 
I believe this, but no, I don't really believe that. Right. You know? Yeah. It's talking about both sides of your mouth. It's it's a friend of mine that I've actually been in a dialogue with for several months. And he keeps wanting to take miracles out. You know, he wants to use Jefferson's Bible, which removes all of the the uh, miracles out of the Bible. Jefferson and, and Wheezy? <laughs> yes. And uh, he uh, just will not receive the Jesus of the Bible. You can't, They go hand in hand. You can't... I, I, I get... Uh, just you can mesmerized. Have to tell me what a Jefferson Bible is actually. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas that? Jefferson, who was a deist, uh, took the Bible and removed all of the miracles out of it. I didn't know that. Yeah, a deist yeah. believes that God sort of started creation, kind of wound it up, and is hands off, not a personal God, does not intervene right uh, in anyone's life, and now we're just down here winging it because God's not involved. And so a deist has real problems with a personal God intervening into humanity. Therefore, all of the miracles, which that's what they are, they have to remove those in order to accept the Bible. Right, because a deist is, by definition, they believe in God or a power that created this world, set it in motion, then backed off. Backed off. It's naturalism. They, they naturally want to go to an evolutionary look at things. And if God is involved, then natural processes can't be taking place because they're being intervened with. Yes. So there's a huge issue there. It's a it's a scientific explanation for our existence. Uh, they it's kind of uh, there are Christians who believe in theistic evolution, but it's it's really a uh, pretty heavy deist concept. Really, so, really, it is a gateway to atheism. It, it really I mean, is. Most people don't stay deist very long if they do. Yeah. At all. So we see how simple, you know, the gospel really is. And so when we present the gospel to other folks, it needs to stay simple. The gospel is all about Jesus, and our only response is to trust him. And I like to give the analogy of penicillin as an analogy for our role, our part in salvation. And penicillin is an antibiotic that will obviously help us with bacterial infections. And I can claim to believe that penicillin will cure my infection. I can read about it. I can get on the Internet. I can know the inventor of it. I can know the date that it was invented. I can know the scientific makeup of penicillin. I can know everything there is to know about penicillin and claim to believe in it. But... It's not trusting faith until I let the doctor inject it into my body. And that's the, that's the analogy to me of saving faith. I can claim to believe in Jesus. I can know the Bible backwards and forwards. I can uh, you know, know all there is to know, but without personal trust in Him, that's not uh, saving faith. We'll be back on this topic right after the break. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at mindingthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to mindingthetruth.com and click donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Welcome back. 
We have all taken our penicillin shots and are free of uh, bacterial infections. Yes. So it's, you know, another analogy is a chair. You know, I can claim to believe that a chair will support my weight. And until I go sit down in the chair, I'm really not trusting in it. So receiving Christ, grace, all of that, the only requirement on our part is to, by faith, receive it. But we do have to receive it. And there's no merit on our part. You know, that's one of the confusing things in the whole discussion of salvation. Some people make faith out to be a work. You know, and there's no merit in, if we go back to the chair analogy, I had nothing to do with building the chair. Right. All I'm doing is exercising faith by sitting down in it. So my faith is not does not help hold me up. It's just I'm trusting the validity of whoever built the chair. And, and recognizing the need. Right. Yes. And I like to look at it as like a, um, it goes along with surrender. Um, when you put your faith in something, you're actually, in a way, doing an unwork. If I can use that word, it's a putting your hands up in the air and saying it's out of my control. I like that. It's it's like I surrender. Like when someone has a gun to your face, you know, yeah. whatever, you put your hands in the air. Not that God has a gun to your face, but, you know, it, it's the idea that I can't do anything here except, except whatever is happening, whatever has been given to me. And it's just here's what's happening. Grace has been given to me. I accept it. I didn't do anything, but sure, I'll take it. And that, the, yeah. and that God's will will be in the end what is the is the thing mm-hmm. i think i think it's interesting because it's a slippery slope point when you talk about responsibility too because when when people talk about evangelism and this is one thing that bothers me about the subject of evangelism if we don't do this god's plan won't come about which i don't believe wholeheartedly his plan is going to come about no matter what the evangelism is a blessing to the people who do the evangelism. I agree. God is cutting us in on the action. He but will get who he wants. You bet. Regardless. He will, He will. Uh, you know, even in the case, there's number of people in Iran who are having visions of Jesus. Right. So God, no one will perish if they are positive towards God. If they want to know Christ, they will know him. And But it is a responsibility. God does put it on our heart, and it's actually one of the most exciting things that we'll ever experience in our life. It should be a blessing to us and to the people you're evangelizing. It is. It's awesome. I mean, we've all experienced it, and it is, it's an unbelievable blessing mm-hmm. to be a part of. But it's it, an unbelievable blessing to be backed by the God of the universe, I yeah. would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it all goes back to that simple statement from 1 Corinthians 15. This uh, 3 through 8 is actually... Most scholars have identified that as a creed of of the early church. It actually dates back to maybe the 40 A.D. almost and somewhere in that range. But it's something that they said together as a, a definitive, this is what we believe as a church universally. And, uh, and it didn't include a whole bunch of discussions on all those things we like to get bogged down with. What do you need other than Jesus? How do you need to believe in Jesus? In which way do you need to believe in Jesus? And then do you need to practice certain things and do certain things? It's like, no, here's what we got. He was crucified for our sins according to scriptures, was buried and resurrected for our sins according to scripture. And, and if you keep going, he just tells the history of what had, what had happened. He appeared to several people. He was resurrected. And uh, it's one of the earliest creeds we have that united the church. What were they united around? Christ. Yeah. 
not all that other stuff that we like to throw into it. It just, it's grace. We didn't deserve this. He came and did it for us anyway. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Thank God. You know, I, I, in a, in a class I was teaching one time, I took this to, at least it was funny to me. Um, you know, the analogy that I was giving on how we messed the gospel up is that go back to the analogy of the chair, getting up and sitting in the chair. Well, the way that we, you know, twist and turn this thing, we'll say, well, I knew I needed to sit in the chair. And so I got down on the floor and I crawled and I suffered all the way to the chair. And when I finally got there, I crawled up and finally got myself eased into the chair with all of the strength that I had, you know, and so that person's going to go out and tell everyone that's the only way to get in the chair, you know, and then another guy's going to go, you know what? I'm a gymnast and I'm, I'm real agile and I did backflips and I flipped my way all the way to the chair and sat down in it. So that's the only way you can really sit in the chair is if you do black backflips. And that's really what we do to the gospel. You know, we'll say, well, you got to come forward. You know, you have to be water baptized. You have to uh, basically become sinless before you can come to Christ. And all of them are just mental gymnastics that confuse the issue. Right. And we have a hard time seeing past our own experiences and context. We do. You know, it's like, this has worked for me. This has got to be the way it is. So it can work for you. And if, if we read the scriptures, I mean, God is really excited about doing things different. How many different times and different ways did he heal somebody of blindness? Yeah. And once he spit on the guy, the other, the other time he spit in the mud, then rubbed the mud in his eye. And once he said, hey, man, just go wash in the pool. It'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, he did. He could have. Was he bored? You know, I mean, it's just, just, God, I've done this miracle so many times, you know, just, yeah. I mean, how can I have it happen this, all right, this time grab a cat, I want you to throw him in the air, you know, and run away, and then you'll be healed. What, what was he doing? You know, it's just, he doesn't do things really the same way over and over, but I love a, that. a unique experience is human. And I think God likes that. And uh, the principles are still there. The foundation is still there, but how you get to the chair may not be the same. May not be the same. Well, that's all the time we have for this session, and we will be back again. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Thanks again for listening, and join us next time for more of Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Surrender.